You're listening to the Scuba Path Podcast with your host, Christian Chu. Get ready to dive in with our guests as we discover how they became a professional in the dive industry. We'll hear all about when they decided to take the plunge and follow their passion towards their goal of becoming a professional in the dive industry. Let's hear what was holding them back, how they overcame any obstacles, and what insights and advice they may have for you. The pool's open. Let's dive in and meet today's guest. All right, today with us we have Larry Pilot, and that is spelled P I L O T T E. And he is with us today from New England, which is where he was from. And then he went off on an adventurous life around the world. And uh, now he's back home. Time to reflect on all that he's done. So we're excited to have him on at this point in his life. And we're going to dive in and we're going to talk today about his passion for scuba and where it has taken him during his life. Welcome to the show, Larry. Great to have you today. Oh, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Just give us a brief introduction about you and what you're doing now and, uh, you know, sort of what you've been through, an outline of, of the things you've done with scuba, and then we will dive more into the details. Well, um, it all started when I, when we were little kids just running around the lakeside, just loved swimming. And uh, back in my days, I'm 65 years old now, and back in our days, we didn't have the mask or snorkel and those kind of great things that uh, have been developed through the years. And my my uh, mentor was Jacques Cousteau. He brought life to the TV, and we watched the underwater world through his... Uh, through his movies, and I fell in love with it, and me and my dad just would watch every episode. And finally, I had the opportunity to venture out on my own, and it all started in my uh, high school days. Being a great swimmer and knowing how to handle myself in the water, I, uh, I went to the ocean one day, and we, we live about an hour away from the ocean where I was born in Manchester, New Hampshire. And I saw this big puddle of water out there called the Atlantic Ocean, and I just went crazy. <laughs> and uh, I just haven't had a moment where I don't spend one one day out there. The only time that that ever occurred was when I was in the military, uh, which I did join in for the Air Force after high school. And I had a choice of the Air Force or the Navy. And I said, I'm not going to go in the Navy because maybe I'll get too bored with the ocean. And uh, after my military experience, I went to school and became a wanted to become an aviation mechanic. So I took the, uh, the tech school and accomplished that. And after accomplishing that, I went on to uh, learning a little bit more about what surrounded that the, our coastline and discovered islands out there. And um, I, I, I just was fascinated to learn everything I could. And I chose to come to the islands from the underwater world. That doesn't make sense, but 
that's how I did it. I took my Zodiac and I started diving around the islands, learning the habitat there. And um, when I came out of the water, people would ask me, what are you doing? Uh, I'm just playing in the water. And I had lobster fishermen kind of a little upset that I was in their territory, but I kept going on and on because it just made me feel uh, like a new man. more or less. And so what age was this that you were, uh, what, what age did you really start with the, that exploring and getting out in the ocean? Uh, would you guess? It was at the age of, I'd say right after high school. Um, I was at the lakes more, more or less my whole life until I had the opportunity to get my own car and go out and on my own and do that exploring thing, you know? So you grew up as a young man uh, and as a child even, just having a, a great love for the water in general, and then you were about an hour away from the ocean, um, started uh, exploring that on your own a lot more once you got out of high school uh, as a young man. And now at this point, where was scuba? In, I mean, was, was that a part of it, or were you just free diving mostly? Or? Well, having Jacques Cousteau in my mind, I said, I'm definitely going to go into that world and started asking my friends about, is there a dive shop around here? And there was a gentleman who started, he's the same age as I am today, and he started his dive shop. And I was one of the first few guys to get certified from his shop. And we were uh, all excited about this sport. And it became uh, the talk of the town. And I was going to work with him and be an instructor and all that, but I I just couldn't pull myself back from going out there and becoming a a professional diver. I went through the dive master course. I I went to that level where I am today, and I've taken recently another step into environmental issues in the area. And um, they started a PADI program called uh, Weed Control Divers, and it's an invasive plant that's uh, infesting all our lakes up here. And I was on the forefront of this, starting to figure out a way to get rid of this. And we're finding that it's so aggressive that a few divers uh, cannot control this problem. We need a lot more divers. So if there's any divers out there that want to work, believe me, this career can be very lucrative. And uh, if I can explain it to you, it's very difficult. It's probably the worst diving experience in my life, but it's a challenge, and I I have to have a challenge to keep on living. <laughs> All right, so um, so you you've come a long way since obviously as a young man uh, just exploring and, and getting certified and and having the potential uh, to to work at a dive shop, but deciding I think more that you wanted to go off and and do a lot more exploration and and not necessarily be in that. Uh, diving professional side of things in that aspect. So let's go from where you decided that you didn't want to necessarily be a part of this dive shop. What happened at that where you moved forward from there? The first thing I tell people is just take the first step. It will lead you to your own passion and success. And when I did that, I became um, someone who was in a world of my own and people were interested in what I was doing and it just kept me wanting to learn more about the underwater world. And my ventures out into the ocean, it was difficult. There's a lot of safety precautions you have to take and going out there, one of the first things that were suggested in the dive industry was go with a buddy. 
And you know what? I couldn't find buddies. So I didn't go, di- I, I, I didn't go diving. I snorkeled. I snorkeled from New Hampshire to Canada. I just stopped in my car, jumped in the water, snorkeled around the rocks and saw the habitat and learned something from that. But I just had this urge. I'm going to have to get out there and, and find out more. Then I got someone in the family who was interested in, in, in diving with me. It was my sister. And it was a great buddy, and she came along, and we put the scuba gear on, went a little further. Then I got the Zodiac boat and went out a few miles. And, oh, my goodness, the the discoveries of things that are underwater was just amazing. And I didn't have enough time in the day to, to do all this. It was just fascinating. And it ended up being so passionate that I... I was consumed by that world, and I said, I'm not going to end this. I'm going to continue it. It's uh, Doing the right thing is is what I'm all about. And then uh, I had people following me and became a, a little bit more of a leader. And, and uh, the excitement and pleasure of, of, of doing something that you love to do and you got to go for it. That's all I can say. You got to go for it. It's so amazing to hear from someone like you uh, who has gone for it and you have such a long history of, of going for it. And, you know, you start diving and, and obviously you love it and you have this strong passion for it and you want to figure out, you know, how can I make this a part of my everyday life? And uh, as is the key with most things, it's, it's go for it. Take that first step, see what happens. And then everything is one step at a time and you, you never know what's going to come up next. So obviously it's led you to some some really interesting things and, and probably led you to a lot of interesting things outside of the scuba world. Uh, in fact, when we were talking earlier, you were telling me a lot about the history of the islands and that you made a DVD covering the history of those islands nearby from the 1600s up until today. Uh, and that is a DVD that's still available, I think, for purchase. Yes, it is. And uh, you can contact me anywhere on my Facebook. And uh, my YouTube channel is DiveCon42. That Also, you can contact me and uh, view a little bit of my documentary. Work. Yeah, and so you can go and, and get some previews of that DVD and all of his other stuff on his YouTube channel. Uh, but then if you just, you know, you don't really enjoy the, the YouTube experience as much as popping a DVD in and, and sitting back and watching it from start to finish, uh, that's an option too that you could order that from him. And so it looks like he's got some really interesting stuff that's that do, it's not fully pertaining to scuba, but as a naturalist and, and a historian as well. Oh, yeah. It's a wonderful experience to see and be able to show someone what you're viewing in your life. There's another world out there. Nature is beautiful. Yeah, and especially in a time now when we're indoors a lot and we're using technology like this a lot and we're on social media. And, um, obviously, anyone who's diving, we do it because we love to get in the ocean or, or whatever body of water that we're getting into. It's, it's an explore, exploration and uh, most divers tend to be explorers and in- enjoy that whole process uh, of getting away from all of those things that sort of keep us indoors. Um, You'll never know what will come about by getting out there. I, I couldn't wait for my first day I could use a video camera to go underwater and film. And I, I traveled across country. I was on my way to Hawaii, and I stopped in the state of Washington, and I bought my first video, and 
I was trying to struggle with the salesman and he was trying to tell me, uh, you should wait and get this, this new technology. I says, listen, the technology changes in, in, in a heartbeat. Just give me a video camera I can put in a housing and I want to go and use this thing and, and film, you know, and I ended up in Hawaii. I didn't, my first day with my camera, here I am on a charter boat and somebody yells out, whale shark. Oh my goodness. What time frame is this that you that you've traveled to Hawaii? That was in 2002 and um when I got out there, the excitement of being out there like Captain Cook for his first time meeting people and getting uh getting to socialize with these people and here we are we're going to jump in the water with this beautiful absolutely beautiful fish. We just snorkeled out to it. And I, I remember reading my manual on how to use my video camera, and I, I was going to be gun shy here. I didn't know if I was going to hit the right button. We'd jump in the water, and everybody's swimming with the whale shark, and I'm trying to swim ahead of it so I can capture the the beautiful animal all by myself without people there, you know, and, and doing this uh, Hollywood thing, you know, one of these great videos and i didn't know if i was hitting the right buttons and i'm just shooting and shooting and shooting and i get back home and i look at the video it was spectacular i it was like one of the greatest experiences of my life this whale shark swimming by us and you could almost touch it i didn't i didn't do that but my video shows how close i was to it and we all had a wonderful day and that's the type of thing that will happen when you're venturing out there in the underwater world you never know what you're going to find and that day is going to come and that excitement is is going to keep you going and i was very fortunate very fortunate people now they have a website where you can track that particular animal they have their own uh, fingerprint the spots on the whale sharks are being uh, identified now by a group of people and who knows? I may hear a story in 20 years from now that that shark was seen in India or something. Who knows where it's going to go? And just that, keeping me informed about where this beautiful animal may be in the world, it just excites me. And that's that's part of uh, some of the things that will happen to people who go out and enjoy the underwater world. Uh, believe me, it's uh, it's a great place to spend your life if you really want to. That's such an amazing point that, that you're going to make these connections with these animals and that's going to last forever and it's just, just something you'll you'll never lose, you know, so it's, it's very, very cool. So there wasn't really anything holding you back per se from, from getting going, I, I don't think. I mean, I'm sure there were struggles along the way um, that you had to to overcome, to get, uh, you know, where you are now, to make it through and to be able to dedicate your life to following your passions. What were some of those big struggles that, that might have held you back over time and, and how did you overcome those? They weren't struggles. They were just part of life. Um, you know, you get, I was married and um, unfortunately there was a cancer stepped into the family and now I'm a widow widower and when that happened the struggles to keep a family uh, being a family 
it's not struggles. That's part of life. That's what we have to do. And it, it wasn't there for me. It, it, it ended and it became um, an opportunity in my life that I just chose and I went out to be married with the underwater world is, is another way of describing it. And um, there's nothing I feel that made me, but I had, I had, I was always being told, you know, you're a very fortunate man to have that opportunity. And that that's what's out there. Opportunities will come, and you got to take them. The struggles that we have in in in, a, in a everyday life is there, but when that little opportunity comes, go for it. It's the right thing to do. You know, we all have to do these things. They're they're, they're for the they're for the better for us, and it becomes the better for everyone else. So you've you've had this adventurous life. You've been through all these adventures that we haven't even touched on yet, and I hope that we'll be able to talk more. Uh, at some other point, uh, and and maybe we can record some other uh, of your your stories because it sounds like you've got some great stories to tell. Um, you were mentioning the, sh- the shipwreck story where you found an artifact that you'd been diving in this same spot, and then you eventually found this artifact that that ended up taking you sort of around the world on this goose chase to to figure out where the artifact was from and confirm its identity, that sort of thing. Give us a, a quick overview of that story, and then maybe we'll do a, an in-depth follow-up of, of just that story. When I started my snorkeling adventures, the whole group would we'd go down to the coast and we'd have our barbecue, and I, I'd wander out into the ocean spearfishing, and it became a, a real nice little cove to, to play in, and it was called Place Cove. And the word place was spelled different, P-L-A-I-C-E. And that intrigued me. I said, what does that mean? I looked it up. It's a French word, flatfish. And here I was, spearfishing, floundering in this cove. Every year I would go into the cove, and I'd see other animals. And um, one storm came by in 1996 and it was in the winter i used to faithfully go and do a snorkel or a dive on my birthday in in november and here i was looking at the bottom of the ocean it completely changed to something i've never seen there was no sand all the all this all the beach sand was sifted completely out and it was on the beach and on in the streets (laughs) so mother nature just did her thing that one year and i'm snorkeling around and i see this Seven foot anchor. Wow. I said, what, where was this before? And then I went out and touched it and there was a rope still wrapped around it. And I said, my goodness, that intrigued me so much. I said, I had to find out everything about it. And I did. And I went to the local library and there was a ship that wrecked in 1764. St. George was the name of the ship. Oh, how exciting. And where did it come from? Obviously, I had to find out and came from uh, England, and the history from those ships, they were very unique greyhound buses, as we call them today. They were transporting trees from New England to England for the um, British fleet, and they were using these trees, pine, white pines, to uh, build their mast, and when they came to this country to cut down these trees and transport them. That's what they use, this particular uh, type of ship. And I guess there was a stormy day. They were out heading to back to England, and they came back into a cove in New England, in New Hampshire area, and uh, they hit this ledge and destroyed the whole ship. 
And in this area where I was, snorkeling for years, it had been covered. And here I did find it. So off, my, off I went to England to prove that this anchor was from that era. And how I had to prove that, there's a museum in, in Portsmouth, England, that shows every anchor designed from each century. And sure enough, there it was lying. I took pictures of the anchor in, in the museum, and I measured it with um, the measurements I made here on the coast of New England. And same thing. Wow. I was excited. I was excited. It was just a wonderful artifact, and it still lies there in the ocean. And I, I actually placed a monument and a plaque near the anchor for other divers to go and enjoy the site. Um, I would love to make it a historical site, but that's a little bit getting into politics, and I'm I'm, I'm staying on the water. <laughs> Man, that is amazing. That's that's such a cool story. That's one of the things I've always been allured by is that uh, you know finding a shipwreck sort of thing. Or, um, or any any kind of artifacts. I love that that sort of diving. So interesting, and it, it definitely draws you into the history behind everything. So I can can see. I mean, I, I don't know that I would uh, quite be able to take it to the extreme that you did and visit, go across the pond and and make that trip and all. But I certainly would if I could. Anybody would if they could. And that's like, that's why I say the opportunities are not always there, but when they are. I guess go for it. So you've been through this career and, and I guess I would call it a career or a lifestyle of going for it and sticking to your, your diving passions and all your other passions, just following those, making it through the things that, that I called struggles that you say just a part of life. It is, you know, things that you have to deal with. But all of that has taken you to today, who you are today as a person, who you are as a diver today. What are you doing today? What's, what's your What's your day look like now? I mean, you're retired, but you were telling me about a project that you have going on where you're training divers to go in and eradicate this mill for. Yes, that's uh, that's kind of a, a real uh, difficult challenge because it's such a problem and awareness is, is there. Everybody understands it. And I've taken high school students and explain the problem to them, the Boy Scouts, and I've actually gotten some people that are interested in, in, in working with me, and we're in the process of um, training two individual high school students who graduated and getting them through the scuba class this summer, and once they get through the scuba class, they're going to work with me, and I'm going to train them how to eradicate this uh, weed, milfoil, that's growing in the lakes and ponds all over the North American continent. And the more divers that are interested in doing this, the better we'll be able to combat and control this species of uh, invasive plant. Now, doing that, I feel so much more comfortable putting other interested people into a world that they don't know what they're going to get into. But... um, once they indulge into this type of work, we're still going to make it fun. One of the, one of the things I tell them all, you know, when we're in the water, we're going to find other little artifacts that people have, there's, they're out there. And that kind of lures the interest. And I like doing things like that for, for young people. And, uh, once we find that little thing that they're all searching for, it's not gold, but it may be a bottle. It might be, um, an old piece of uh, boating gear that someone lost, a fishing pole. Believe me, it just keeps the momentum going for, for people to want to continue uh, in this underwater world that, that's out 
there and, and learn more about it. And doing this environmental type of work, you feel good about it too. And we're saving, we're saving our lakes and ponds and divers are the most important people right now to, to accomplish this. Uh, hopefully in my next few years, get more and more people interested in this. That sounds like a really interesting project and a great way that uh, people may be able to uh, initially bring diving into their life more often so that they can, if they can actually be generating generating a little bit of income from it, then obviously that helps. So that's where we are now is, is um, that's your big project that you're working on more than anything right now. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. We're trying to, there's been a, uh, a few other ways to combat this problem that um, we're trying to accomplish all over the country here. Michigan, Minnesota, there's different projects going on there. We're going to get more technical. We're going to have a diver-assisted suction harvester we're trying to build right now with the town that I'm working in, and we're getting all the uh, information, technical information on pump systems and what the cost is going to be and all the funding. So that's the major portion of the work that's being done. So your clients generally with that are going to be the municipalities? Um, lake associations that generate uh, the uh, the monies for each um, municipality. So those are the people I'm working with. And for the, the past 12 years, I've been personally working myself and generating um, an educational program, telling the public and getting the awareness out there. Now I'm in search for divers and letting them know that um, I will be able to play, pay them a little bit of income and they'll be able to learn if they like this particular work. And um, it's it's pretty nasty work. You're working in black waters. You can't see. There's no visibility. And you're not in deep, deep waters. You're in five to ten feet of water only. So it's a whole different environment to be working in. And, but you need the diving skills. And uh, where do you get them? you got to start getting certified and... Who knows where you're going to go after that? Well, the, yeah, and that's, that's certainly a great way to gain experience and, and understanding of, you know, some of those types of jobs where you may have in your head uh, these commercial jobs that, you know, you just want to become a commercial diver and maybe it's not what you thought it was in your head. So this is a great way to learn that before you, you know, go off and spend thousands of dollars on commercial diving school or anything like that. Definitely. All right. Well, that sounds like an exciting project. You've got your, your DVD that's available. We'll put a link to that, too, if you'll send me some, some information about that. And um, do you have anything else that, that you may want to talk about while, while, while we've got you on here? Well, I would love to just tell everybody it's a great place to entertain yourself, the underwater world. Know the, un know the unknown is a favorite saying of mine. And the other one is, if you see the sea, you wonder if the sea will see me. Well, Larry, it has been a, a, a pleasure having you on to uh, talk with us today about all the different things that you've done. And, and I would love to, to maybe have you on again to maybe go into a little more detail about some of the work that you've done. But it's been a great overview today to get to know what you've done, you know, your, your journey sort of from start until now. And then uh, to know that you've been doing this milfoil project for the past 12 years. It sounds like you've still got quite a bit of work to go and, and you're in that 
recruiting stage to try to, to spread this work out and get other people involved. So that's uh, pretty interesting and, and pretty incredible and uh, certainly glad to know that someone like you is behind it. Oh, I'm, uh, it's, it's my pleasure, believe me. We will talk to you again soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Scuba Path Podcast. As always, you can go to scubapath.com for all of today's show notes and resources and to find out how you can connect with Christian and today's guest. Hopefully you were entertained, inspired, and found value in the show. We look forward to having you back again next time. Goodbye.